When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, War Chant Game Day. Good to be with you. Obviously, we are not currently, but in a weird way, we are at Hotel Indigo. <clears throat> Excuse me. Rough start. Um, but we're recording this while we're at Hotel Indigo. So this is playing now, but we're there. So if you want to swing by is the point. Please do. Come on by. Uh, no fault of our own. No real fault of Hotel Indigo's, but they had an internet line cut. And so uh, we had to make do. Definitely wanted to have content for you on Florida State Miami Day. So we're doing that now. But uh, we are at Hotel Indigo. The food, the drinks, they're all still happening. Come on by. The atmosphere is still good. Overlooking Doe Campbell Stadium, obviously, and those tailgate lots as they begin to fill up for what should be a great game. By the way, I see you already put it on there. (laughs) That's the first thing we had to see. Uh, which is Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson are going to play today, guys. Yep. Uh, that is a big deal. That is, that's a problem for Miami, to say the least. That is a big problem. This is a special day, man. I, this is You just feel like you can see the light at the end of the tunnel if we take care of business today. It's not that I'm not concerned about going down to Gainesville, playing in the swamp for game 12 of the regular season, but I, I think if you get that close, you're going you're gonna to touch the sun. So, Today, make sure you get the job done. There's a lot of health questions that still remain out there for Miami. Defensive back health. They've got a couple of corners who left the NC State game with injuries last week, including their best one. Their quarterback situation, of course, is something they talked about all week. But the thing we focused on is, all right, can this offense succeed without a couple of key receivers? Nope, that that question is gone now. We don't have to worry about, can the offense do enough against a good run defense? If they do not have, they do have their two guys. Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson are here. They're playing. That's good news. I think they looked pretty close last week. They weren't limping around the sidelines at Pitt. At least Keon wasn't. We know that Johnny's been dealing probably with something else. To have both of them today sets a great tone because we got that news, I think, in the 9 a.m. hour um, yeah. this morning. So it's just, you know, you're firing up either game day or or your marching chiefs playlist. You're loading up the truck or going to the grocery store, maybe the liquor store for your your uh, if you're staying at home in a different part of the country. That's the right way to start the day. Not with I hope they play. Oh, crap. Warchant.com reported it. They're playing. Let's go. Well, if you think about when those guys play, Tom, they have uh, a total EPA of number seven in the country when they play. So Florida State is one of the best seven offenses, in essence, in the country when those two gentlemen play. It's a it's a difference maker, to be sure. Um, I think there bit, there's evidence that, um, in fact, so, some of those stats are skewed because Johnny's missed when Keon has played. Yeah. Uh, there's only been one game where they both missed. Uh, I think you could look at it as a top five offense for sure when they both play. So it, it's it's fascinating. They just create so many mismatches and change the way a defense has to play you. And yeah. I'll be, you know, Miami Tom does not change the way they play anybody. It'll yeah. be curious to see if they choose to today. Yeah, that's the fascinating thing. I, I did a study this week on on the site, and you know, depending if you want to look at the season wide stats, you know, there are some games where Miami doesn't bring a whole lot of pressure, but most of those instances are when they're outgunned opponents that Miami was going to run away from. Uh, but but looking at the two key games this season for Miami, in my estimation, you know, Clemson's game plan is a little bit different because they have a freshman quarterback in there. I think it impacts the way you play complementary football. So A&M in week two, we all circled that game in the preseason to see what is Miami or should we be worried about them? And then the North Carolina game on the road, if Miami was going to have hope of making the ACC championship game for only the second time since they joined the conference 20 plus years ago, they needed to beat North Carolina on the road. Okay. Texas A&M, Connor Wegman was the starter at that point. It wasn't Max Johnson. They blitzed him nearly 58% of the time. Consider the fact that the NFL average is around 30%. And the college average might be a little bit above it, but it ain't 40. And they went 58% of the time with blitzes on the dropbacks. That's criminal. Like, that's nuts. So that's one thing, though. It's Connor Wegman. That's not a dynamic offense. We all know that that's why they brought in Bobby Petrino. And it still is not working out there. 
How about a top five pick in Drake May? They blitzed 51% of the time against a top five pick. 51% of the time. So I would expect Miami to bring pressure today. We'll see how much they do. Now that Keon and Johnny are back, does that mitigate their strategy? But still, better than a coin flip. They're bringing the heat today. Keep in mind, and and, and this is where that percentage will be interesting, they know, because they've seen it up close and personal, what Jordan Travis is. Yep. And the evidence for any offensive or defense, excuse me, any defensive coordinator is pretty overwhelming that you don't want to blitz Jordan. And I just will find that absolutely fascinating if they decide to do so. You just, the evidence is overwhelming that he's going to hurt you if you blitz him, either by diagnosing pre-snap or by making your blitzer miss. And then at that point, Katie bar the door. Because when you blitz, your corners are taught that the ball's coming out and it's coming out now because we're bringing pressure. So you don't have to cover 15, 25 yards down the field. You're going to be able to jump on a pass. That's what it's designed to do. But with Jordan, if he makes you miss, the big play is there and he's not afraid to go for it. Sometimes to his detriment, he is going to go for it. Yeah, so his numbers against the Blitz this year. I, frankly, I thought he was a little bit better against it last year, um, but he's still very, very good this season. So he completes over 63% of his passes. His touchdown to interception ratio is 10 to 1, and he completes uh, his yards per attempt is over 9. 9 yards per attempt against the Blitz is a hefty figure. Yeah, it's so, not all hot routes. No, it's not. No, exactly right. And air yards per attempt is pretty hefty as well. So, and we know that from earlier in the season when you're talking about the downfield shots, but the thing that that I would come back to there is okay, a lot of those downfield shots did not hit. They didn't hit it at a 63% clip. Oh god. So no. Where is he completing all these passes? I mean, like you still have that uh, per attempt figure, but you're going at 63%. That's humongous. So I want to see what the plan Florida State has for the blitz will be today. Is it about quick game to Jaheim Bell? Is it about hitch routes? Is it about quick slants? Is it about the screen game? Mike Norvell's ready for this. Uh, he, by all accounts from the people around the athletic department, when you get to rivalry weekends, he tightens the screws a little bit. He might be uh, all fun and games for many of the weeks during the season, and he is a jovial person by nature, but he gets a little bit more intense in terms of the preparation so that they can time release everything, and hopefully they will do so today at 3.30 on Bobby Bowden Field. Well, and, and, and I think the thing we've appreciated all along, Tom, is the fact that Mike Norvell sets these games apart in the same way that the fans do. You know, most of us are accustomed to hearing coaches say things like, it's just another game. It's about us. We got to prepare a certain way. We got to be focused on our jobs, etc." But Mike doesn't do that. He doesn't pretend that it's just another game. He understands that the Florida State Miami game is special, that the Florida State Miami game has historical repercussions. It changes the direction of programs. He understands the importance of winning these games. So I, 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 I absolutely agree with you that he ratchets things up in games like this. And I think historically he's always had a good plan in this game. Even when you go back to when Florida State wasn't a good football team, they came out both halves with a good plan. They just didn't have the players to execute it for a sustained period of time. But they were able to make some plays even without the athletes that they have now. Now he has a lot more options, and so I think he has fun with these moments. He does. I mean, to me, and this is a minor criticism. I know nobody's allowed to criticize anything we do because we're not in hope. But remember two years ago, there was a fracas before the fourth quarter. Between the third and fourth quarter, Miami walked out onto the field and we matched them. And it was strange. And little did we know it would end up being a classic fourth quarter uh, in which even though the, neither team was competing for much, you had a classic fourth quarter with fourth and 14 down the stretch yeah. and you win the ball game. But if you recall, last year, I think it was in the spring, they did a little feature with uh, Seminole Productions where Norvell is with Jordan Travis in a theater, and they're watching it, and he says, I'll be honest, you know, as this thing happened and matriculated out over to the field, uh, he said, I loved it. I loved being in the intensity of that moment. And, and for me, I was like, well, I hear you, but you're the head coach, man. Let's not start a fight between the third and the fourth quarter here. Let's maybe you want to calm the guys down, but that tells you it gives you a window into how different a game like this is because I don't think he would condone against Wake Forest or Pitt or Syracuse guys meeting between the hash marks between quarters. I don't think he'd be like, I can't for Pitt, you know what? You got to gear up and do that. I love it. But he did for Miami. And that was his first taste of it, as we recall, because in 2020 he had COVID and he was unable to go down there 
and preside over a butt kicking that we received, he had to sit at home and watch it from television. So, yeah. Yeah, I think he cherishes these moments. And I, I think there's been so many moments that have allowed for Coach Norvell to become accessible to the fans. And that was one of them, Tom, that you're describing, where you get some insight as to the way he looks at things and the way he understands this rivalry and the way he views Florida State history. I, I think it's been important. You know, I, I, I've loved the fact that he's ratcheted things up and had the intensity in these games that goes above and beyond a Wake Forest matchup. It doesn't mean that he's ill-prepared in those other games. It just means that he understands uh, the gravitas uh, in, in, in this matchup. And, you know, he also, I think, has welcomed the fact that the fans, th this atmosphere today is going to be unreal. Yep. This is a 9-0 team. This is a team that can see the finish line. We're talking about the chances and the very good chances if they play well of going undefeated in the regular season. Mike knows what that means. I don't think he's going to get lost in the midst of it, but somewhere along the way over a cup of coffee staring out as the sun comes up, he's thought about the fact that he could preside over a 12-0 season. You know how few there are in the country that could ever say that they've coached an undefeated regular season? Doesn't happen very often. Even for the greatest coaches, yeah. you see that they typically lose a game somewhere along the way. Bowden, for years, was uh, always wanting to get the undefeated season. He talked about it. And when he finally did, and remember, we went wire to wire, um, you know, he talked about how much that meant to him. It's hard to do. Upsets, we watch every Saturday. Upsets happen all the time. And Florida State's been able to avoid it. And now the finish line is obviously clear and present. You win this game, as you said all week long, Tom. If you're 10-0, you're 11-0 because you got North Alabama next week. So you're 11-0 in essence if you walk off the field today as a victor. And all you have left is a trip down to Gainesville, which will be a beleaguered, beat-up Florida team at that point. So I think they lose again today. I think they lose next week. And I think, you know, Florida, Florida's in, in trouble right now. Yeah, that was uh, – he was listed as probable on Thursday. Now Jaden Daniels is officially active for today's game against Florida. That's a kickoff at 7.30. Yeah, you can see the writing on the wall here. Speaking of the victors, too – this schedule is no chicken crap Michigan schedule either. If you go 12-0, you earned it. You scheduled two games at a conference with the SEC. You have to go on the road and play Clemson, who just you know, destroyed Notre Dame, the toast of everybody's strength of schedule argument for Ohio State. Like, really? Yeah, this is a real schedule. And you play at Florida to close out the season, the Swamp. I mean, they, they might be playing for bowl eligibility there that day, Jeff. They're going to be fired up in Gainesville. They want to go to a... They want to go six and six for the second consecutive regular season that they're hoping for that. But this is a real schedule, a real one. And so if you can go 12 and 0, man, that'd be an incredible accomplishment because you won five games two years ago. You, you go from five to 10 to 12 in the regular season. Good God. And the importance of today in that regard is you can message more aggressively with recruits. And they've got so many of them here. Michael Langston's been covering Florida State recruiting for 15-odd years at Warchant.com, the state of Florida, for better than 20 years. He says, based upon his recollection, this is easily the most talent in Tallahassee in one weekend that he can remember. You're talking about, about 12 upwards of 12 five-star prospects on campus, 115 kids. A lot of them are considering Miami. A lot of them are considering Florida. What a message you could send in the next two weeks if you hammer it home today against the Canes for the back second year in a row. Ran into Michael last night at our event at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. We want to thank everybody that came out for that. Wow. It was nice to see so many people, huh? It was that was an app. People were, I mean, the back deck. I have not seen the deck at the happy hour time that packed the Corner Pocket in a minute. People are here in droves, sir. People are in town. They're excited. They understand um, what Florida State's accomplished. I think it's it's, it's an appreciation weekend as well as uh rivalry weekend uh yeah so ran into michael last night and you know he was talking about that he said jeff the momentum just keeps building it just keeps building he said you know every day during the week leading up to this game they would get notice of another kid who wanted to come to town i mean they're kids they had to turn away so there, there were that many kids coming to town where they, you know you can't you can't be there for everybody you know you, at some point you got to shut it down so they had that many kids coming to town today you know I think it's it's right on a day like today in a rivalry game like this to kind of take a step back and get the 10,000 feet view, right, of what Florida State's done. We've talked about it all week long on the Jeff Cameron Show. I mean, to watch this team two years ago and to see this team now, it's night and day. It's a, it's a 180. I mean, we had so many flaws on the 5-7 and seven team. 
uh, and so many things that we had to get fixed. And talent level was a big part of that. And then you think now, just two years removed, you know, just a season removed, which was last year, um, you had, I don't know, what would what, what we guess, 10 to 12 NFL draft picks on this roster right now? Maybe 15? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're talking about this upcoming draft class, 2024 yeah. NFL draft, it's at least 10. Um, yeah. If the battle's end is unable to retain a couple of dudes, you're looking <laughs> at a dozen or more. But if you can do your job and retain some people and, and – you know, I think there are 1,300 members right now. If you could push this thing to about 2,000 uh, before yeah. the season's over because that's their goal, you'd probably retain a couple of guys and keep it at 10 and keep it at 10. But there are more NFL prospects in the wings. Finally, like you're starting to replenish the way real programs do that are in the top five. You're not, it's not a bunch of band-aids or quick fixes that are good. Like Jermaine Johnson's mm-hmm. a great fix, and so is Keir Thomas, and so is Jared Verse. But you're starting to see replenishment in some segment groups and hopefully now with the momentum of this year, you start to see that fortification across the board. Well, there's more work to be done, to be sure. And they've got areas that they're going to have to hit this offseason. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But if you're going to be a dominant program the way that Georgia is now, the way that Alabama has been for more than a decade, uh, the way that Ohio State reloads annually, uh, you, you know that you've got to have that kind of a program where the guy on the two deep, is a future NFL player. The guy on the three deep <laughs> is a future NFL player. That's where you want to get to. It's hard to do in the modern era. Kids tend to transfer when they're not playing and they tend to be impatient. But I think when you're winning, A, uh, it's easier to sell. And then B, when you're churning out pros, which Mike is about to do, it is a big, big yeah. spotlight on your program for kids that are contemplating where they want to go to school. And you know, Florida State for the longest time, uh, during the down years, during this rebuild, was really not that program. It was Alabama. It was Ohio State. It became Georgia. Uh, it was a few other programs, but it wasn't here. It was Oklahoma. Um, but now Florida State is in that conversation with every one of these kids. They're not going to get a, every one of these kids, but they've got a chance to get some of these kids now, and that's all you want. You want to put yourself in a position to matter amongst the creme de la creme of high school recruiting. Florida State has that. And we know that they've also hit home run after home run, as you just alluded to, in the portal. So you have a chance to replenish all of this very quickly. That's why I said at the start of this year that even though this season looked like a a, a huge opportunity and maybe a, a, a boomer bust kind of year, like let's go all in and see if we can't win the whole thing because you had a lot of the dominant programs changing quarterbacks and having to replenish key positions. So you knew Florida State could get in position to maybe – win this thing this year, but I didn't think it meant that Florida State was doomed if they didn't, because I feel like Florida State is going to find the right people to come in here and keep this thing abuzz. I, I, Florida State, to me, is a playoff team next year. A lot of people disagree with me on this, and I've had this conversation at places like the Corner Pocket. I just trust that Mike Norvell is going to go out and get five or six guys to make a huge difference on next year's roster. I know we have a top five recruiting class coming in. Not all those kids will help right away, but I think you look at this roster and you see some kids that they'll retain. You'll be okay up front on the offensive line. That was an area that I was worried about. And I think you'll replenish that defensive line, and I think you'll improve yourself at linebacker, quite frankly. So if you do that all of a sudden, if you get a modicum of decent play at quarterback, you're good because Lord knows the backfield's good and the wide receiving core is promising. Yeah, and I think the tight end room will be just fine next year as well. So, yeah, there's a lot of pieces to like, and, and your margin for error is much wider. Essentially, you need to be a top-10 team next year, like for the balance of the season in order to make the playoff because of the college football playoff committee is accepting, I believe, the 5-plus-7 model. So seven at-large plus five conference champions. So, I mean, do the math on that. One of those conference champions is not really a top-10 team because it's a group of five program. So if you're hovering around 9 to 10 to 11, you're right there. You're right and, there. And yeah. that, that would be the goal for next season. And wouldn't it be nice to be able to do that and say you won 10 games, you beat Miami's ass again today on the way to 12 in the regular season, and hopefully that means finishing the job in Charlotte and going to the playoff. And then, oh, guys, this wasn't a one-trick portal pony thing that Mike Norvell was doing. Look at what we are now. That way we go down to Hard Rock next year. We play Miami again, and they say – I thought when Jordan left and Keon left and Johnny left and Trey and Jared Verse and Braden Fisk, like we would have an opening. Damn it. These Knowles are just, they're, they're still here. Well, Why are they still here? Yeah. It, it, at that point you had proven, think about it. They won 10 games a year ago. If you win 12 games this year, maybe more, you come into next season as a program that is expected to be a 10 win program. 
forever around here, that was the goal, bare minimum. You win 10 games, you know, and how many successive seasons can you win 10 games? And somewhere along the way, if you're a 10 win a year type program, you're going to have the right mix of senior leadership and elite talent at the right positions. You're going to win your fair share of those close games against the two or three teams that have equal talent. If you're in position to do what we're talking about accomplishing here today, get a 10th win, you're typically in position uh, to be a playoff team and to compete for national championships annually. Yeah, when you put it that way. And, and look, this is a much more formidable Miami team than last year in some areas. Uh, quarterback play is a huge part of it, and we don't know what the hell we're going to see. I ex We expect to see below average quarterback play today, but they've got more in the tank than they certainly did this time last year when we played them and we beat their ass 45-3. to three. Uh, But when you say it aloud that you go, you could go 10 for 10 this year, you could go 10 for 10 this year when your 17th consecutive game I mean, my Lord, or is it 16? And I think it's, it might be 16. It'll be 16, yeah. But at any rate, I mean, when we won 29 in a row between 13 and 14, when we were national champions and we went 12 and 0 that next regular season, I wondered just because of the nature of college football, when's the next time we're going to win 15 in a row? Like, that's really, really hard to do. Mike Norvell has done it. He's already done it. He's already won 15 straight at Florida State. And man, if, the ball bounces the right way over the next three weeks, and obviously the, the conference championship game, you could be flirting with 20 come the first of the year. I mean, that is unbelievable. Well, his rebuild has taken far less time than anybody would have guessed. And so I think we're all smiles as we go into the stadium today, but we know how fickle this thing is. And if we get into the nuts and bolts of the game itself and how Miami can win the game, and, I, you know, they could. Uh, I don't predict them to. Neither is, does Vegas, given the 14-point spread. But I, I think that the possibility still exists that they come in and run the ball. Mm -hmm. Florida State, total EPA against the run, 95th in the country. EPA per play uh, against the run, 97th in the country. Uh, per game, 95th in the country. Uh, they're a little bit better at overall success rate. Um, but they have some dubious numbers against the run. We've seen that this year. Now, it's not usually for prolonged periods of time. Sometimes it's a quarter, sometimes it's a half. But generally speaking, Florida State gets adjusted and starts to shut down the run game. But they've had plenty of stretches where they struggled to do so early and they struggled to do so for a sustained period of time. So for Florida State, today the whole game starts with do you stop the run? Because if the answer is yes to that question, we already have a yes to the other question, which was, how healthy are you? Well, they're healthy. They got their stars back. We know that. They're relatively healthy, this team, today. I think Bless Harris is going to play. So I think they're pretty healthy along the offensive line. Seems like Darius is going to play. Moe's going to play. So you're pretty healthy, again, along the offensive line. The answer to that being yes, and then the answer to stopping the run, if that's yes, Florida State wins comfortably. If they cannot stop the run, if they struggle to stop the run, Mario will not go away from it. He is at heart an offensive lineman who wants to run the ball. That's all he's ever wanted. He talked about that over and over again when he first got to Miami, that this is the way he was going to build the program. Today would be the day, if you're him and you're trying to get this turned around, today would be the day to showcase that toughness, to challenge Florida State's toughness, because you would keep Jordan Travis off the field which is your number one goal if you're Miami because Jordan Travis has beat up on everybody when he's been given the opportunity and enough at-bats in a game. So to me, I, I, that's where the whole game is today. If you're watching in this first half and you're going in the stadium today, just know that, that is, that's the key number there is what do you do against the run? So um, Dominic Robinson a few weeks ago did a breakdown on Florida State's defense, and he's privy to some numbers that are hard to find, like official numbers on how often a team runs this coverage or that coverage. It's, it's you know, that next level of scouting data that you can get that even the media don't really get to delve into all that much. Florida State's blitz rate was not that high, not as high as you'd think. Like, for, for example, we're talking about Miami going half the time, which is crazy. About a month ago, when he did the analysis, it was 26, 27% of the time we would actually blitz. But we play a ton of man-to-man. -man. You know, we play a ton of man-to-man. -man. And uh, he broke down how we run man-to-man -man at nearly 50% of the time. It was 45 46%. And then you look at the, the staples of college football and defense. And we're talking about Kirby Smart at Georgia and then Nick Saban at Alabama. 
those teams run man about a quarter of the time because it's just hard to be in, in condition to run man every single play. It's just it, it's impossible, even with the depth that they have. Modern football says you got to play zone a little bit more. We don't do that very well. So we play a lot of man-to-man to account for the fact that we're not all that great at zone. Why do I bring all of that up? Well, there's another layer to it with blitzing. We're talking about, you know, Miami could be bringing pressure, and what does that do for Jordan? Well, wouldn't you make Miami prove, whoever the quarterback is, that they can throw to one-on-ones and they can win those one-on-ones and you would stack the box to stop the run? Like, I get they run zone, so if you pick the wrong gap, it could be a home run in that situation. But I don't know that I sit back and try to assert myself that way and make you know make them prove to run uh, 12 play drives because the best thing they can do right now even if it's an eight play drive that takes five minutes and they punt that's yeah. a win that's flip a field win. position run clock run, yes flip field position run clock I think you get downhill and you attack the run I think you do stack the box today and say all right Tyler Van Dyke I don't think you're healthy enough mentally or physically to make the throws and if it's Emory Williams or Jacoby Brown I don't think you can handle the atmosphere to make the throws so I'm coming downhill and I'm attacking the run and I'm trying to get off the field. Well, it would truly be stunning if it was Jacuri. I, I can't fathom that he would be on the field today. I There's been no indication that he's going to play. I don't think so, but the question is, if TVD is not healthy enough, do you want to put a freshman in that situation for a second career start? Like, I mean, you're they're in a they're between a rock and a hard place. They're between yeah. a rock the and a hard place. Last time we saw that young man, he was on the wrong side of 45 to three in a highlight that will live in infamy. So I I, I don't know, man. I, I think I think you probably do. I, I would start the freshman. I, I think he's got the ability to get out of trouble. He can run around a little bit, um, and he's healthy. So, I, I, you know, you don't want to play injured players. But, listen, they've rolled Van Dyke out there when he was clearly hampered by injury numerous times, including in last year's game against us. Yeah, well, if he, if he started today, would it be like the sixth time they rolled an injured Tyler? Van? I mean, he's gone, man. There's no way. Miami fans, if you're watching this, I'm sure you won't miss him probably. I can't imagine that this marriage lasts beyond this year. I just this is this is toxic from the word go with what he's got going on there. Uh, I would think. I would think uh, he may not view it that way. I, I do think he's a, a tough kid. I think I, you know he wants to play. He wants to be out there. He probably is begging his coaches to play. I'll give him that. I wouldn't do it. And if I were his representation, I would view this as toxic. Uh, I don't know that he does, but if I were his representation, I'd be like, this is this ain't good for us guys. They keep rolling you out there, and making you look bad because you're hurt trying to make plays and games that you're losing. And uh, all we ever get are highlights of you looking foolish. Um, you know, last week really was something to behold. To watch a kid who I do think is tough lay down in the pocket yeah. because he's seeing ghosts, yeah. that is proof of brokenness. Well, and, and you get into the red zone twice, one of which he throws an awful interception. That's a touchdown. I mean, it, it, he somehow he found an interception on a, on a touchdown that's open. Yeah, and, and what that can do against an NC State offense that doesn't do much. Like, you know, if you come into that game on Saturday and, and you prepared properly, which Miami's and Mario Cristobal's in-game coaching has been criticized for a long time, but what's the race to if you go play? I don't care that it's up there in the house of horrors for many teams. 17, 14? Yeah. yeah. you tell telling me that my, my freshman can't do that? You're telling me that somebody else can't get me to 14 more than this injured soul over here? Apparently not. Apparently that's that would be the argument you'd make that he starts here because you could have started Emory last weekend and had a much better chance to win than in today's scenario. So that that would be the argument you'd make that they're, they're going to still go with Van Dyke. On that note, Tom, you know, Miami really hasn't been on the road all that often. You know, you, you think about this now on the season. They've played, what, three road games. They had the North Carolina game on the road, which they lost. They had the road game last week against NC State. I think they've maybe played one other road game against Temple against Temple at the start of the year, early. Uh, that's not really a road atmosphere. This will be, by far and away, the biggest road atmosphere that they have faced. This is a real college football atmosphere. They have not faced that. Well, yeah. That, now, they have a tough existence like the uh, L.A. Chargers where every game's a neutral site game when you play in <laughs> But, yeah, this is this is going to be the most hostile road atmosphere that they see. There's, there's no doubt about that. And you know, the reason I think that they're going to be downhill on defense is in that road game against North Carolina. Carolina starts the second half on a 24 to nothing run. Miami's leading at the break. Yeah. Winning at the break 17-14. North Carolina scores the next 24 points. The two shot plays to Tez Walker for touchdowns are against four-man rushes. One was a simulated pressure. One was a traditional four-man rush. But they were both in the end, four dudes rushing the quarterback. 
I think at this point, Lance Gidry, Gidry says, if we're going to go down, we're not going down with a four-man freaking rush. We're going down swinging, which could get fun for Florida State today because Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson are available today. Yeah, and so we thought as we were broadcasting from the Hotel Indigo before we realized the internet problems, we figured we were going to get this news from the press box, from Ira, from Corey, as they made their way into the stadium to watch warm-ups. But to wake up to this news today that Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson are both active and ready to go uh, is obviously music to the ears of four State fans everywhere. This is a much different offense when those two guys play. Uh, it's been a minute since we've seen them both out there together. I mean, think about it. Johnny's missed the last two weeks, so it's been a full three weeks since we've seen these guys play together. Yeah, it was Duke, um, and and Johnny was having a really good game that night. And then he got hurt, yeah. He's been so much better at catching the football. I'm not trying to will something that we all you know shake our heads at, but it's just true. The hands catching, the snagging of the football, routine catches, also difficult catches, which he was always good at. Just the manner in which that he brings the ball in has looked so much better from about week four to now. Like, you know, about he, he made a couple catches against um, Clemson in big situations. But at the beginning of the year, you thought, oh, no, same old Johnny. Like, it's going to be great, and then it's going to be awful, and he's still going to go for 115 yards. But you're going to say, how many more were left out there? He's been much better. So I, I hope that everything with him health-wise in terms of what he can do for focus and health are where they need to be because he's going to get some chances in one-on-ones today. And we know what Keon's about. That dude is going to have a five-minute highlight reel for his time at Florida State and it will be 13, 14, maybe 15 games strong, and that's it. But his highlight reel is immense. Everything from one-on-ones, going up over the top, stiff-arming a poor joker against Wake Forest, punt returns, and that's another thing, having Keon back for is, is monumental today. You have him in the punt return game because we did not look confident in the punt return game last week at Pitt. It would be nice to have a steady presence back there because we should expect a lot of those punts coming Florida State's way from Miami's offense. It's a good point. We were basically, I guess, uh, olaying every punt last week. Um, we just admitted we couldn't field them and just, yeah, we just pointed at them and made sure everybody saw where the ball was bouncing, uh, not because we were going to do anything about it. So, you know, that, that, that does change the game when you're starting on your own five repeatedly because yeah. you let the ball roll 22 yards, which happened last week. Um, we all remember that existence from a year ago, which was so maddening. So Keon has been kind of understatedly, uh, and at least in terms of the way we talk about it, uh, really key in the in the return game. He's been huge. And, you know, by the way, let's find out today, and we don't know the answer to this, is Deuce Span back? Because if he's back, our kick return game is phenomenal with him returning kicks. Nobody else, just him. When he returns kicks, things are special. No, agreed. And, and uh, I get that. Obviously, we've got an interview here in a second with uh, the Irish delegation from the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. Um, but before we do that, yeah, it, it seems like we're always returning that first half kick. So if the, if the trend continues, it, it's a minor thing that drives me nuts. It's not our fault or coin tosses. <laughs> but, uh, you know, last week when, when they, again, our kick return units out there to start the game and you see 29, I'm like, well, I love Rodney Hill, but not in this spot. Where's five? What the hell's wrong with five? And then uh, the officials tried to call us for having two number fives on the field. I'm like, no, man, one of them's not even in the building. We, yeah. we don't have two number fives on the field. That can't be. So hopefully in the first half, before the game starts, 15 minutes on the clock, and we're going to be returning the opening kickoff again, <laughs> we, we see Deuce Span. But but I ask you, when you saw that news this morning, where did your conference uh, confidence go from? You know, was it uh, maybe a seven to a nine? Was it a you know a, an eight to a ten? When you saw that both Keon and Johnny were going to play, how'd you feel about that? Oh, well, yeah, obviously I was like every other Florida State fan, just elated, understanding that it changes the dynamic of the game. I mean, it drastically alters the chances that Miami wins the game. You know, yeah. it, when you go to the doctor's office, a lot of times they, they talk about things that you can do to prevent certain things, and they usually speak in percentages. And they'll talk about, you know, your blood work. And I remember having a conversation with my doctor, and, they're always worried about stroke or heart attack, right? When you get to be a certain age and they say, well, you know, right now your blood work would indicate that you have a 1% chance uh, of, of doing that, but we can give you this medicine because they're always pushing medicine. We can give you this medicine or this medicine and lower it down to a half a percent or a third of, you know, whatever it might be. Well, if Miami had a 25% chance to win the game today, 
when they got word that Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson were both active in starting today's game, that probably went from 25% to 10%, right? 15%, something like that. I mean, it, it had that kind of a significant, yeah, you see, <laughs> I, uh, I did retweet that. That was, that was my uh, reaction, Tom, right there. <laughs> Richard Simmons, which, hey, in a Florida State Miami day, let's celebrate all Florida State alumni. So there That's you go. right. Look at my man. Look at my man. Happier than hell. That was it right <laughs> it, there. It's, it's, also, it's also Veterans Day, so happy Veterans Day to everybody out there. Um, I, I don't know that Richard Simmons is a veteran of anything more than a, than a theater company, but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one was perfect when we saw the word from warchant.com, and uh, that was my response if you're wondering how I felt. Uh, that's what it was. It was to retweet that with that chip. Um, no, I, how could you not? I, just, I think that's going to be key to this game. I think it's going to be key to the game against Florida, and I think it'll be absolutely uh, the thing that gets you over the top if you find a way to win a playoff game. No, it, it is uh, because you're going to have to win one-on-ones at that point. It's like it's almost as though the journey we're going on as an offense is going to come full circle where there's an over-reliance on the one-on-ones early in the season and it drives us nuts because things are open underneath. Then a couple of these guys go down and you start to see the building blocks of the offense, not the tall ones, the little guys. You know, and these underneath throws, the quick slants, the screen games, and it starts to build together. And now you see that there is a middle ground that we can still accomplish here in the passing game uh, that we didn't do in the first couple of weeks of the season. It'd be third and four. A dude's open underneath and we're chucking it down the field 35 yards. And you're saying, why? <laughs> Jordan, why? But now when you get to the end of the schedule and, and if we can't complete the dream here, go 12-0, and then 13-0 and and make the playoff. If you play a Georgia or a Michigan or whoever, you're going to need the one-on-ones oh, to be the difference. Yeah. You're going to come full circle. When you get to that level, which is where we want to be, and if you keep winning games, you will be in that situation. Um, you, you're talking about the fine line between winning and losing really being about star players making plays. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the, the stars show up in those big moments uh, in these games. If you're, if you're equal otherwise, it, it's about your stars making plays, in particular your quarterback. So Jordan Travis would have to play phenomenally well, uh, which he has in both LSU games, when you think back on it, uh, which he did in last year's game against Oklahoma in the bowl. Uh, I know Oklahoma went 6-6 six and six last year, but they have athletes. And so you're talking about guys that can match up with your players. Who makes plays? And, um, and you know, you, the same thing against Florida. So these are the moments that you rely on your stars. It's why you go out and get these guys. It's why you secure the services of a Keon Coleman. It's why you took a chance on Johnny Wilson, who hadn't done a lot at Arizona State. But you saw those physical tools and thought, hmm, that could be the difference between winning and losing a game. He's an asset. I mean, who's 6'7 and runs like that? So, that, you know, this is what you brought in a Jaheim Bell for. This is why, frankly, you opted for Kyle Morlock, even though Biscuit had a better camp. You thought his upside was greater than that of Marquiston Douglas. I can't argue that. I think long-term it is as well. I think in the NFL it is, obviously. But but they wanted to fast-track his development, so they started him from day one. Yeah, the Morlock thing, you say the name, sometimes you feel something in the air. There's a little charge in the air. It's like a lightning bug in the in the dusk. <laughs> when you said Morlock, because of last week, and I know that was about a 15-yard catch that he turns into a 63-yard gain, but when you're thinking about all the pressure that Miami likes to bring, and it might be tight end two that's open, not tight end one that's open for a shot down the field. Maybe it is a seam shot to a guy like Kyle Morlock today. I've been talking remember all the week. throw, Tom. Remember the throw against Wake? Yeah. It was the best throw Jordan's had this year until he one upped himself and threw the ball to Chakai over the right shoulder. <laughs> That was insane. Yeah. So those two best throws of the year are those two games. And that's where now these players are slotted where they should be in terms of the progression. You know, you yeah. get Keon and Johnny back, and now Jakai's your four or your five, maybe your three, I guess, in the slot. But, I mean, this is where if Miami brings a bunch of pressure, those are the players that can make the difference for you because they're going to cover your best players. But now how about your third option, your fourth and your fifth? And I just I think it's very important that Kyle is is peaking at the right time, and then that Jakai had the game that he did last week. Because again, if Miami's going to stack the box and bring pressure, I think the bubble game opens up, and it's nice that Jakai's confidence is in a different place now after going for over a hundred yards last week again against Pitt in multiple ways: deep shots underneath, over the middle of the field. Yeah, it's just you know if if Destin is still banged up, and I anticipate he probably will be. Kentron was limited last week. 
That's important now. You put a slot receiver where a slot receiver should be, which is at the number three position, number three. I think it's a good call on Morlock. I think it's another day for Jaheim Bell to have a you know a good look at four or five catches and see if he can make anything happen with that. Um, you know, he's a guy that's also played hurt. I feel like we talk about this with our roster every time we have a discussion about offense. There's the caveat about a guy playing hurt, uh, whether it's the offensive line earlier in the year, it's Jordan Travis playing hurt. Uh, it's Keon Coleman out last week. It's Johnny Wilson these last three weeks. It's it's over and over again with these guys. You just want to once again envision what this looks like when everybody's right. You know, when your offensive line is the five that you wanted it to be, when your tight ends are not running around out there, ankles taped beyond reason because they can't hardly move their foot without it hurting, you know, with, you know, with, with Johnny Wilson not playing, you know, not concussed. I mean, it's just over and over again with these injuries. So God help Miami today if this team's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's correct. That's correct. I, I, seriously, I mean, I the, the, people will talk about this Florida State team as being inconsistent. Yeah, well, it's inconsistent because they're always hurt. Well, they're always hurt. Yeah, I would also argue the second half of football games are pretty consistent. I mean, it's not just about the result that we get, but outside of a flu game, you look at all the others, all the other eight games. What do they have in common with the third and the fourth quarter? Yeah. We stomp your ass. We stomp you. We respond. We the fourth, yeah, the fourth quarter has been amazing to watch Florida State's defense just shutting teams down over and over again, giving the ball back to the offense with an opportunity to keep keep chipping away, chipping away, trying to find whatever it is you got to find on that day. What's the option? What's the defense giving you? Mike is good at finding that as well. I mean, I I think we've said a lot of very positive things about Mike Norvell over these last three weeks and really all season, but I think it's just important to know that you have a schematic advantage going into most games because Mike Norvell is one of the best offensive coordinators in the country. Now he's the head coach and he calls the plays. And I know his OC is Alex Adkins, but we know the deal. Mike Norvell has designed this offense, calls this offense. It's Mike Norvell. And the bottom line is you, you now hear opposing coaches bring this up. Uh, this week's defensive coordinator for Miami brought it up. Last week, the head coach for Wake Forest, I mean, uh, for Pitt, brought it up. The week before, the head coach for Wake Forest brought it up. It keep, keeps getting brought up that Mike Norbell is formidable. Yeah. He's okay. a difficult He's a difficult answer for a defense. Yes. Um, across the country, he's got to be in that elite class already. I think what he's done this year has fortified that, that belief. Like, you know, it, it's funny. It's like you get more credit for coming close when you finish the job later. And and what I mean yeah, by that you is you go back, you say, Oh, look at all that time. Yeah, all those times, right? Yeah, like if you win a couple of conference titles, but you can't win the big game, then you win the big game. Those conference titles, all of a sudden, you're you're proud about those. <laughs> and you're I like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So as Mike is ascending here at Florida State, he was, you know, that offense was elite at Memphis. They win all those games like 56 to 45 or something yeah. along those didn't lines. Stop anybody. That's why we were questioning the Defense coordinator higher. Is he Lincoln Riley? No, he's better. He's better than Lincoln Riley in, in terms of building a staff. That I mean, that dude has had all of the assets in the world to work with at two institutions that are the blue blood of blue blood in college football. He still can't stop anybody. So to me, Mike Norvell is already a better program builder than Lincoln Riley is. Now, it's debatable as who's, who's the better offensive coordinator. Sure. But when you get to a place now where you have weapons – and Florida State is this electric on offense. They're going to average over 40 points a game for the season, which is – Which we predicted going into the year. That's correct. And then you take a look back into the past and you say he had nothing, and he was able to run for two or three explosive runs a game. And uh, and look at what he did with – Jay Sean Corbin might have been his best playmaker on offense outside of Jordan Travis. Like his best non-quarterback was Jay Sean Corbin or Treshawn Ward. And he was still able to do this, this, and this. And then he won 10 games last year with an unproven receiver core that was getting better, but nobody wanted Johnny Wilson. Nobody wanted a lot of the guys, Michael Pittman. And they came to Florida State where they hadn't proved a thing about what they could do in the passing game. And then you combine it with this. Man, that resume is sparkling. And in retrospect, it's going to look better, and people are going to recognize it'll be late. We saw it early, and we talked about it early. But this is one of the elite offensive minds in college football, and he's here and somehow we plucked him away from a group of five team before anybody else got to got wise about it. And yeah, that's he, a good he, job, Florida State. Yeah, he was a candidate for the Arkansas job, and then for whatever reason, it didn't go uh, his way. Obviously, uh, they hired one of our favorite coaches there at Arkansas, but Big uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sui is is indeed. But um, and 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 shout out to him by the way for winning the road game against Florida in the swamp. 
that was a it was a big win for Arkansas. Devastating loss for Florida. Big win for us. Yeah. Look, man, if a kid named McCray, and I'm not talking about Moses, He'll signed, be here. if he signs with us next month, you can thank Woo Pig Suey for getting that ball rolling. Um, and he is in the house, and that is the other side story today, is how many of these five-star kids are here, uh, are on the sideline today, are in the stands today, are part of this weekend, are part of what will be phenomenal. Uh, in terms of atmosphere and overriding joy surrounding a football game. The fervor in Doe Campbell Stadium, Bobby Bowden Field today, will be something to behold for these kids. Now, we're going to run an interview for you that I did just yesterday. Uh, it is uh, from Aer Lingus College Football Classic uh, representative, uh, Brendan Meehan. Uh, he, is, he is the guy. He is the ringleader. He is the man. He is the director uh, and he is uh, a, a fun guy who I got to hang out with in Ireland, got to hang out with in Dublin. Uh, we went to uh, Leopardstown track together and uh, talked to all things Ireland while we watched the races. Uh, you'd be able to do that, too, if you go to uh, Ireland next year for Florida State, Georgia Tech. We're going to play that for you. And then I think Tom and I are going to come back and uh, wrap it up, put a ribbon on this pregame show. So that's right now. This is me and Brendan Meehan. Look at your screens, everybody. There he is, Brendan Meehan, commercial director of the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. I got to talk to this guy in Ireland when I was over in Dublin, and there we sat. I believe it was Leopardstown, Brendan, and we talked music together, and we talked about football, we talked about life, and we talked about how awesome Ireland was and is, and we talked about your trip over here. So welcome to the States, and welcome to Tallahassee, buddy. Thank you very much. It is great to be here and it is great to be here on such a big weekend for Florida State University. Really looking forward to it. Yeah. OK, so I, I, I've told everybody on my show since we've come back, uh, you know, how much fun we had. And I know Florida State fans are really looking forward to the 2024 kickoff against Georgia Tech there in Dublin at Aviva Stadium, which is something to behold. We got the tour of that while we were over there. I want to get your perspective on being here for this rivalry game and also give you a piece of advice, Brendan. First of all, yes, Miami does wear your colors. There's the orange and there's green. But if you see their fans run, they're hooligans. Run the other way, sir. <laughs> That's what I'm being told. That's Yeah, I've heard that from a few different people. So, don't you worry, we're, we're Florida State University this, this year, and where I'm from, in Galway, my own county would have the same colours as Florida State University, so I'd be very much wearing their colours. But it's, it's brilliant to be here. We're over here with a group of Irish ambassadors, so we have a couple of, um, we have three very high-profile sports stars, Hannah Turrell, Ian Madigan, and Kieran Kilkenny, um, who would have played, between them would have played uh, rugby for Ireland, they would have played soccer for Ireland, and they would have been very successful playing GEA, which is our local sport um, in, in the States. So to show them around, to be over here on this weekend and, you know, to give those guys a sense of the size, the scale of college football, the importance of this match. You know, at the moment I'm sitting here in, in um, the athletic centre and we're getting tours of the weight room and we're meeting the dietitians and the nu nutritionists. And it's, it's just given us a tremendous sense of, um, how important it is, not just football, but, you know, the whole athletic division here and the whole athletic department. And it's, 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 an, it's, it's an honor to be here. And we're, you know, we're really, really looking forward to tomorrow. And then obviously, lastly, the weather is significantly better than it is back home. So that's always nice too. Yeah, I rather enjoyed my time in Ireland because partly of the weather. It's so hot here in July and August. Uh, it was beautiful in Dublin. And so you guys return the favor to us when we come back next year. What is normally a hot month here will be beautiful in Ireland. 65 degrees, nice and cool. It was glorious. Yes, no, August is good. August will be beautiful. And we'll have, um, for all the, your fans and for all the, Florida State fans and the traveling Americans. We put on a wonderful show this year. We put on a tremendous show last year for Northwestern Nebraska, and we will put on a wonderful show for Georgia Tech and Florida State fans that are thinking of traveling and that will travel next year. And certainly August, the end of August in Ireland would be, from a weather perspective, um, the nicest. We've lovely long evenings. It won't be getting dark until after 10 o'clock at night. It's, it gets light early in the morning, and we're already putting the pieces. We already have the plan well in place, and we're you know, continue to work on that to attract as many American fans over as possible and to have the trip of a lifetime, which it will be, if, you know, if, you're, if, if your fans travel, when your fans travel. 
I, I was going to say, I think it's more when as opposed to if. And I've watched this thing grow. I learned a lot from you guys while I was over there uh, and how popular college football is becoming, uh, how it's covered. Uh, I know it continues to grow. I believe over 40,000 Americans probably came over this last time, right, uh, for, for Navy and Notre Dame. Is that right? Yeah, Jeff, it was the greatest movement of U.S. into Europe for single sporting event. Um, in peacetime, we had just under 40,000 Americans, which is a staggering figure, an absolutely incredible figure. And, um, you know, we'll be looking, obviously, you know, being open and honest, there's a Notre Dame effect there. The Fighting Irish is an affiliation with the country. Um, but, you know, we will be looking for north of 30,000 to come next year. And there is no doubt that college football is in the rise over there. Um, the success and how you guys are and how Florida State are doing this year is incredible. And there's a huge amount of people gaining interest and looking and saying things like nine and oh, when, you know, six months ago, they didn't clue what nine and oh meant. You know, this kind of stuff is exciting. And in fairness to Georgia Tech, they're winning games they shouldn't be winning probably. And yet, you know, they might be losing the odd one they should be winning. But, you know, they're, they're having an OK season too as well. So, you know, the fact that we have two teams that are doing quite well and certainly that we've one of the, one of the teams traveling next year is ranked number four in the country at the moment and is in such a run. There's there is excitement. You know, there's huge excitement above uh, uh, amongst the Irish fans who, as you say, are learning that, you know, the NFL has become huge, as we all know, in Europe. It's huge in, in the UK and Germany. It's growing in Ireland. Obviously, there's Pittsburgh Steelers announcement recently, but. You know, college football is also increasing in Ireland and the lay person in Ireland who's into rugby and soccer and our national sports GEA is now showing a huge amount of interest in it. And, you know, the Erlingus College Football Classic has played a huge role in that. Brendan, I experienced probably no greater hospitality than I did when I was in Dublin. The fans there, the people there, the citizens there are wonderful people, and they're very, very open arms about welcoming people in uh, to Dublin and, and to see all that it has to offer. And, of course, the island itself, everywhere we went, got a chance to play golf at Fort Barnock. Obviously, I joined you at Leopardstown and watched horse racing. It was incredible. But almost everywhere we went, they were intrigued, they were interested, they wanted to learn, and they wanted Americans to come over and enjoy Ireland. Uh, talk about a little bit about what people can expect if they go ahead and purchase tickets. Uh, I know my producer just put it up there. Knowles to Ireland uh, up on the screen. There's Seminoles to Ireland.com is where you can go and find that. What can the, the, the guy that's on the fence that says, you know, I want to go, but it's a commitment. I got to figure out what can they expect if they do go next year? They can expect a trip of a lifetime. It is very easy to get here, to get to Ireland. Yesterday, we flew into Orlando with a four hour bus journey up. Um, and there's loads of different airports, which Aer Lingus obviously is our title sponsor, fly from and other airlines nearby. So it is not it's not difficult to get there. You arrive, um, Ireland is five hours ahead. You probably, US flights arrive in the morning, so you'll have a whole day ahead of you. Dublin, the capital city, is on the East Coast, but Ireland is a very, very small island. So there is nowhere on the island of Ireland that is less than four hours from Dublin. So you take the Orlando-Tallahassee compa comparison and you can get down to Kerry and Cork in the southwest. You can get right up to the north to see Belfast to learn a bit about the history of Northern Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, and Donegal and out west to places like Galway and Cork. We would know from the U.S. people who travel this year that they would have stayed on average in around 6.7 nights. They would have, you know, um, toured three or four different destinations throughout the country and they would have had an amazing time. There was so much to do from an outdoor perspective, as you said, the scenery, the visuals, golf, visiting the local towns, learning about the history, Dublin itself then as a city, as a capital city, over a million people. Um, and it's, it's, it's a very compact city, easy to get in from the airport. And the stadium itself then is what we call a walking stadium. So it's about a kilometre from downtown Dublin city centre. So, you know, in terms of transport out and that kind of thing. And then the traditions that we've tried to introduce as part of the Erlingus College Football Classic, like tailgating Irish style, the music, the use of the cheerleaders and the bands. There'll be so much going on around the city. We had, we developed an app last year and we had over 52 events in around game week for fans traveling. So it's a wonderful opportunity to travel to Europe. It's a wonderful opportunity to travel to Ireland. And we are known as the, the land of the Cade Mila Falcha, which is the land of the 100,000 welcomes. And we will roll out the green carpet for everyone that travels from the United States. I can attest to that. It was uh, simply fantastic. It was the second time I had the good fortune to visit Ireland. I would strongly suggest if you guys are on the fence, 
checking out more Seminoles to Ireland.com to figure it out, but make sure you get your plans made and get over to Ireland. Brendan, I hope you have an awesome time at the rivalry game here against Miami. I'm sure I'll see you around. I'll be in the press box. I know you're in the president's box. I'll try to sneak in over there and say hello, but uh, it's good to see your face again. Will you, well, will you come in and meet us for a pint tonight at the block party? That's, that's okay. where we want to see you. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, fi I'll find you over there, partner. You'll be good. All right. Good to hear from Brendan Meehan. It was a pleasure talking to him again. Hadn't seen him since July. Uh, I, I, you know, listen, it's a, I don't get paid by Aer Lingus. I don't get paid by Florida state. You can go to the game if you want to go, but if you're thinking about it, if you're undecided and you're kind of in between, um, I will tell you having been over there, uh, both for my honeymoon, uh, many moons ago, and then also this past July with the gang here at war chant, uh, it's a great time. The people of Ireland is what I'll speak to. Uh, I've been to almost seemingly every county in Ireland uh, between my two trips. Um, but everywhere we went, the people are so welcoming and they want to know your backstory and they ask you about uh, why you're there and they're excited to have you there. They're very proud of their country and they'll tell you cool things to do, places you can go. Everything's accessible. It's a small island. Basically, you heard from Brendan there. If you get in a rental car, you can you can be anywhere in Ireland in four hours. Anywhere, uh, every part of it uh, is doable. It's like a trip from here to St. Pete. Uh, you, you can you can make it happen. So, uh, if you're thinking about it, it's a good time. Just keep that in mind. I, I, I'll vouch. Yeah, I'll vouch for it after I do it next year. Looking forward <laughs> to getting out there. I think um, the itinerary is at least for Monday through Sunday of next year but i'm trying to tack on gene if you're watching earmuffs i'm trying to tack on maybe uh, the friday before to spend a couple of days exploring where my grandparents came from uh, i've got uh, grandparents from the north and the west yeah uh, i've got some exploration to do but the best part is when we go live on the jeff cameron show the wildly popular jeff cameron show next fall it'll be 6 p.m local time we'll have a nice little evening pint and we'll discuss yeah. what we did during the day that, that you know what that means golf at 8 a.m 9 a.m yeah. you could even tee off at 12 p.m and still make it back to i'll just say this uh i golfed the lovely Lynx course top 50 in the world port marnock and uh aslan and myself uh did that took that in and it was a once in a lifetime experience tom i know you're gonna do it when you get there you're gonna have yeah. to do it. it's unbelievable um I'll probably never get an opportunity other than next year when we go uh, to do anything like that again. To be a golfing on a top 50 golf course in the world in and of itself is cool. But to have it be so different uh, like Lynx Golf is and to be uh, on the Irish Sea where we are, where that where that's located. And it's only 30 minutes from downtown Dublin. It's it's really cool. So if you're thinking about that, guys, that's one of many courses that are there and one of your many options as well. It's going to have uh, such a unique energy. And it's like today. Today's energy is is special. Uh, we felt it Friday night. We felt it last night at Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Um, it just, to me, this is why we do what we do, you know, for moments like this. And it, it's always fun to break down sports for a living. Don't get me wrong. But after the slog that had been the latter part of the last decade and into this one with the pandemic, you know, it's been a, it's like a force multiplier of sadness. Um to be back in this position where you see people by the carloads rolling into town at 4 p.m., 5 p.m., 6 p.m. We had some people, uh, the Matthews family, Steve and his father from Chicago. Yeah. They came in Wednesday, I think. Our friend Chris from San Diego flew in on Thursday. Like People circled this game hoping it would be exactly what it is, that we're undefeated and we've got a shot at the college football playoff. And it's just... Uh, the, the vibes last night were so positive, and I've got to imagine as we as we get set today, we'll be there at, at Hotel Indigo uh, for the meet and greet. But it just that's the most positivity I've felt around a Florida State game with the amount of people that were here in a long, long time. So this is going to be just an outstanding day, and I know Doke is going to be berserk around 3 o'clock. Let's uh, remind everybody we already made our picks on the War Chant Report, but uh, I believe I said – 38-14, I feel like I'm a broken record these days with these predictions. Florida State's totals are generally around 50 in these games. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Florida State scores in the 30s most days. They did not last week. And the defense has been real good, so I don't know why I would vary all that much. And um, I think the news today that you see down at the bottom of your screen with the Keon Coleman and Johnny being active uh, emboldens my pick. I feel good. I feel good with that.
I do too. I, I just the offense has a chance today if the defense can get off the field. And, and Miami's Miami's got a good running game, like they do. They don't pass pro very well, but they run block yeah. pretty well. So if you can get off the field with regularity, Florida State could touch into the forties. Florida State, dare I say, could touch into the fifties. And and the reason I say that is because this offense, to me, while we don't consistently run the ball all that well, the passing game has all the layers now. All quadrants, if you want to break it up into quadrants or yeah. like they do on Pro Football Focus where there are nine boxes like tic-tac-toe, we are hitting all fields. And and missing these two key wide receivers, I think, helped us remind ourselves, both as a coach and a quarterback, that you can hit these spots in the field and, and do so and allow a guy like uh, Ja'Kai to go make a play or, or Morlock or, or Jaheim Bell to go make a play, make one guy miss and, and, and make somebody make something happen in space. I just I, I love that the offense is seemingly all together now. And I think also formationally, we know we're a pass first team. So we spread yeah. it out. That helps the run. The key to a blowout is just getting off the field defensively. If we can do that, this is going to look like Syracuse. This is going to look like Virginia Tech. And I hope it does. My official pick was 38 to 10. Buckle up, everybody. Enjoy it. Get loud. Have fun. Thanks for watching the War Chant Game Day pregame show. A little bit different variety. We are at Hotel Indigo as you watch this right now. Shaking hands, kissing babies, saying go Knowles to everybody there. The drinks are cold. The food is delicious. The atmosphere is still great. Just internetless for now. But uh, <laughs> hey, it's okay. I think uh, it'll still be fun. That stadium atmosphere, you get that vibe, that energy from Hotel Indigo. So it's always good. Stop on by if you're in the area and you're watching this. Tom Wang, good job out of you. Thanks to everybody again for watching. Until next time, don't forget, by the way, post-game show, Gene and Tom, they'll join you about 10, 15 minutes after the game ends, and they'll do the wrap and take your calls and all that good stuff. So I'm excited to talk to you guys on Monday. Be well, everybody.